And we're living in a world where there are many men who are not saying, I want to be that man, but many are saying, I'll let someone else be that man. And we need some men to rise up. We need some men to take hold of the things of God and take it and tell this lost and dying world who Jesus is. And I appreciate these young people like Jacob singing this song this morning. And what a powerful message in song it is. Jeremiah chapter number 2, as you're holding your place there, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter number 13 here in a few moments. There was a pastor who was meeting with a a, a woman in his church one time at the front of the, the auditorium. She had walked up to him. With tears in her eyes, she began to talk to the pastor as she had been struggling with some things. He didn't preach on a subject that dealt with her that night necessarily on this particular thing that she was talking to him about. But as she walked up to the auditorium, she was, or to the front of the, the auditorium, she was standing right there talking to the pastor. With tears in her eyes, she looked at the pastor and she began to utter some words. She said, in recent months and years, I've discovered some things about myself that I need to address. As you hear those words as a pastor, you begin to be taken back and you say, hold up just a minute. What are, what are these things that you are about to address? And as he's standing there, he's listening. She said, I have found that my self-worth and identity are deeply tied to my successes and my failures. This past week, I have officially stepped down from being the sales director of my job. I've decided to go from being a public leadership a role to just being a a normal consultant once again. She goes on to say this is a difficult thing for my ego and pride, but mostly because of my heart. She said, I am fighting the I am a failure mentality. I'm fighting the shame and the embarrassment of not being able to make it. I fight these same feelings and these thoughts in my mind with myself as a wife and a mother and as a, a friend and all of these many things. She said, I even battle it with being a church member. I struggle and ask questions like, what's wrong with me? While meeting with the pastor, the pastor began to ask a couple of questions as he is standing there in the front of the auditorium talking to this lady. She's just brought all of these many burdens that she's bearing. She's just brought all of these many thoughts that are running through her mind. As she's standing there with tears in her eyes, the pastor is standing there, and as he pauses for just a moment, puts his hand on his chin, and is trying to think of the exact thing that he needs to say to be a help to her. This wasn't a conversation that he was planning on having. It wasn't one that he had necessarily prepared for before the service. Out of nowhere, she approached him. And so he began to ask a couple of questions. The first one he said was, Ma'am, number one, have you found Jesus? As she's standing there, he said, if you have and he is your Savior, then the second question was this. Ma'am, when was the last time you looked to him? When was the last time you rested in him? He looked at her and he said, ma'am, from the, the conversation you and I are having and from the description that you have just given me, it looks as though you're trying to find yourself in a job. It's as though you're trying to find yourself as being a mother or being a friend, or a church member, and you're trying to find your identity in all of those many things. With tears in her eyes as she is just standing there, not knowing exactly what to say, but was able to say that she was a child of God. He looks at her and he says, you'll only truly find yourself in one thing. He said, that's not going to be a job. He said, as a matter of fact, as you've tried to find your identity and yourself in a job, it'll just let you down. He said, you're not going to find yourself as a, uh, in, your, in being a parent. That's a wonderful uh, gift that God gives us, but that's not where you'll find yourself. He said, you could be the greatest friend to any and every person that you come in contact with, but that's not where you're going to find yourself. 
said you could find yourself being a church member of a great church, but that's not where you're going to find yourself. He said, you know where you're going to find yourself? You know you're going to find your identity? You'll find your identity in Jesus Christ. And as she was taken back, she looked to the pastor with tears in her eyes. And as if she had tears in her eyes, she said, well, I need to learn how to find myself there. This morning, go with me to Jeremiah chapter number 2. As you're holding your place in Jeremiah chapter number 2, flip over for just a moment to the book of Ezekiel. And the book of Ezekiel will be in chapter number 13 for just a few moments. And we're living in a world, uh, a society if you would, but every single one of us, the life that we live is made up of, of days. It's actually made up of minutes and hours and seconds and days and weeks and years. The Christian life continues to go on and the struggle that many of us as Christians face is that we don't necessarily know the gospel It's that we don't live the gospel. It's one of the things that we all struggle with. We aren't filled with the gospel. It's not something that's on our mind constantly. We don't find ourselves adoring our Savior like we ought to. Society has put out all of these many ads and all of these many uh, tools and all of these many ideas, and we find ourselves becoming so addicted to those things. We find ourselves saying, I have to have this, and I have to do this, and I have to be here, and I have to have these type of friends if I'm going to be noticed. But can I share with you, while the world may notice you, they're only going to notice you for a brief while, but Jesus Christ will notice you every second of your life. And He has a purpose for your life, and He has a plan for your life. He has something for you. And we often find ourselves seeking the affirmation and the love from others, the security from materialistic things and the significance in our personal performance. All the while, Jesus is saying, hey, just look to me once again. In the book of Ezekiel, go with me if you would for just a moment, and we're going to read the first ten verses, and we're going to stop and notice one phrase. Because in this world in which we're living in, the reason that we are seeking all of these many things and not looking to the Lord is that we're trying to find peace. Well, can I share with you, if you haven't met the Prince of Peace, I pray that you will this morning. If you haven't been and experienced some time with the Prince of Peace in some time, I pray that you'll run back to him. Bible says in verse number 1, chapter number 13, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel. Prophesy. And say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear ye the word of the Lord. I love statements like verse number 3 starts out with, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. They have seen vanity and lying divination, saying, The Lord saith, The Lord hath not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision, and have ye not spoken a lying divination? Whereas ye say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken. Thus, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because ye have spoken vanity and seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God. And mine hand shall be upon the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, neither shall they be written in the writing of the house of Israel, neither Shall they enter into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord God. Notice this next verse, verse number 10, and notice a phrase here. 
Because even because they have seduced my people, saying peace, and there was no peace. Peace, and there was no peace. Can I share with you this morning, we're living in a world that is crying out peace, but there is no peace. We're living in a society that is filled with all of these many lies and many people that are getting behind pulpits and speaking false and and lies from the pulpit and they're speaking all of these things and saying, Thus saith the Lord, and God's word isn't saying those things that they're saying because they're not sharing God's word, they're sharing man's opinions. They're speaking all of these many things, but they're not speaking the truth of God's word. Just yesterday I was having a conversation, and I see this and I hear this often, but people will start and they'll say, Open your Bibles. They'll read one verse, and then they'll say, now this is what I think. Listen, can I share with you, if you ever walk into the house of God on a Sunday morning, and you're sitting at Gateway Baptist Church, and I open the Bible, and I say, hey, this is what the Bible says right here. I read one verse, and I say, but no, forget about that. This is what I think. Walk out the door. Walk out the door. You say, but you might get offended. I should get offended. If I'm not willing to preach God's word, I should get offended. And notice what the Bible says here. In verse number 10, it says, Because ye, because even because they have seduced my people, saying, Peace, and there was no peace. In verse number 3 of this same chapter, he says, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto their foolish prophets. That's exactly what they were. Foolish prophets. Follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Go with me, if you would, to Jeremiah chapter number 2. Jeremiah chapter number 2 We're going to be looking at a verse here in just a few moments that I pray will be a help to you. And we're going to get somewhere here in a few moments, but we're going to lay a little bit of a foundation as we find ourselves seeing all of these hot topics and all of these cliche phrases being passed around in our world today. And many of these things are causing people to be stumbled and they're finding these to be stumbling blocks. The truth of the matter, though, is what was once just on the outside of the church and outside the doors of the church has now entered into the church. And we've almost as though we've welcomed these things. And we've no longer said, hey, those things need to stay outside the church. That is sin. That is something that we are not going to take part in. Now we're saying, hey, we've got to reach them. So bring the sin into the church and we'll just try to get them away from the sin. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. You can't invite sin into the house of God and think God's going to be okay with it. And in verse number 13, notice what the Bible says. Jeremiah chapter number 2, the Bible says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. In verse number 13, notice these two things. It, it's as though this portion of Scripture, verse number 13, builds upon itself, and it, you, it's one of those situations where you're saying, can it get worse? In verse number 13, it gets worse as it continues. Verse number 13, it says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. You say, can it get any worse? Yeah, they've not only forsaken it, but they've taken part in something else. And have hewed them out cisterns. You say, could it get any worse? Yeah, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We're living in a society today, in a world, in a time where people are using this this cliche statement, I just want to find my identity. I want to find myself. And they begin to go out into the world and they begin to try to find themselves in a job, only to realize the job didn't provide the identity they were looking for. They try to find themselves in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a new car or a new house or a new lifestyle or a new uh, personality over here and always to realize that it always brings the emptiness that they were feeling. 
You know, in the New Testament, every single time that you find in Scripture in the New Testament when Jesus is coming in contact with someone, they always leave from where they entered into that conversation feeling empty to always feeling full and longing for something they didn't actually have. Now they have. It's an amazing thing. Jesus always makes the difference. In verse number 24 of Luke chapter 9, you see that the Bible says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And that portion of Scripture begins to deal with discipleship and what the difference that Jesus can make. In Proverbs chapter number 23, verse number 26, the Bible says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. That portion of Scripture, verse number 26 of Proverbs 23, begins to deal with a dying of self. Give me thine heart. And it's an amazing illustration we see here in Jeremiah chapter 2. It's an illustration that we can visualize, and as we may close our eyes, we begin to see certain things in our own lives where we have fallen off track and we're no longer seeking those living waters. We've tried to dabble over here in the cisterns. And to make matters worse, they're cisterns that are broken. They don't bring that fulfillment. They don't bring that joy. They don't bring that life that we're looking for. They don't bring that identity that we're trying to find because true identity is only found in Jesus Christ. In this portion of Scripture, you see that these wells, which represent the water, the living water, if you were, they had had gotten rid of those things. They had uh, kind of went away from those things. And you're you're seeing today that we're living in in a world that is trying to find a new way trying to come up with new ideas, trying to figure out how they can be relevant today. Well, listen, you might be relevant with the world, but if you're relevant with the world, but you're not living the way God would have for you, are you ever really relevant at all? Look, I'll just take Jesus. I love that saying. I'll just stick with Jesus. And we have a song that that, that I've been thinking of this generation to generation meeting. I'll just stick to the old stuff. Man, what a song, what a message in song. You see, without Christ, some of you have walked into the doors of the church today. You might be hurting. You might be feeling empty. You might have never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. And you say, I'm looking for something. No, you're not looking for something. You're looking for someone. I want to bring that someone to you this morning. You see, without Christ, you may be thinking that you define yourself, or at least that's what the world tells you. But when you find Christ, Jesus defines you. Without Christ, you might be saying, I am who I want to be. But when you find Christ, you begin to find yourself saying, I am who he wants me to be. Without Christ, you might be finding yourself saying, I want to be who I want to be. But when you find Christ, you end up saying, I want to be what he wants me to be. You see, without Christ, you're always looking inward to find what it is that you're missing. But when you find Christ, you're looking upward to see what you found. You see, without Christ, you're living adventurously. With Christ, you find yourself living for Him. Without Christ, you're pursuing dreams, but when you find Christ, you begin to pursue Him. Without Christ, you're desire-driven, but when you find Christ, you're love-driven. Without Christ, you find that you're self-focused, but when you find Him, you're Jesus-focused. Without Christ, you're greedy and demanding, but then all of a sudden you find Him and you find that you're generous and full and you're saying, what in the world changed, Jesus? Without Christ, you find that you're losing myself to me, Now, when you found Christ, you're losing yourself to Jesus. Without Christ, you stand out. But when you find Christ, you stand still. Without Christ, you follow others. When you find Him, you follow Him. Without Christ, you run from commands. But now, when you find Him, you're beginning to enjoy that relationship. Without Christ, you do what feels good. 
When you find him, you do as he leads. Without Christ, you give to feel good. When you find him, you give because you love him. Without Christ, you seek self-served love. When you find Christ, you give what you finally received. You see, this morning, we're living in a, a society and a world that is always looking to identify themselves. Many of you may be feeling this way. You've walked into the church and you're saying, hey, how can I define myself? I want to define myself in this job. That job is not going to define you. You say, I want to define myself as a, as a mother or father or as a, as a Christian or as, a, as a, a church member or as this hobby or whatever the case might be. None of those things will define you. You see, at the end of our lives, every single one of us are going to give an account to God and every single one of us, as we're laying in the grave or as we're finally finding ourselves off this earth, people are going to go around and begin to describe us. And they're going to begin to describe what kind of person we were. And They might say, oh, they were a kind person. Oh, the, she was the sweetest of all, and he was the, 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 the greatest at this sport, or he was the, 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 the nicest person in the world. But what about things that truly matter? As we're laying in the grave, if someone were to define us, and they would say, you know what? They made a difference for Christ. You know what? They loved the Lord. You know what? Were they perfect? No strive to be all that God had for them to be. You see, we don't define our lives, or at least we ought not to, by the many things that we try to do or the many things that we take part in. Listen, I love basketball, but I'm not defined as a basketball player. I love golf. Miss Kelly got me some golf shoes for Father's Day. Amen. You say, I, you, don't do, you don't do Father's Day. Look, if anyone ever wants to get me a gift, I will accept. It doesn't even have to be Father's Day, all right? <laughs> she got me these new golf shoes. Look, but my, my life is not defined on the golf score that I shoot. Listen, I want to be the greatest father that I can be to my children. But if I'm the greatest father in, to my children, it's only going to be because I found myself living in Christ and living for Christ, and they saw that. They said, you know what? You know why my daddy was a good daddy? You know why my daddy influenced my life so greatly in things that, that really meant for eternity's purpose? It's because he didn't define himself as being a, a Jeep lover or he didn't define himself as, as loving sports. He didn't define himself as being a coach. He didn't define himself as being a great teacher or doing this hobby or having this car or living in this nice house. No, it was none of those things. It's all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And all throughout the New Testament, you see the difference that Jesus made. This morning, you've come and you're empty. You've been dabbling in those cisterns. Can I introduce you to a word here in verse number 13? A word that means much, and that word is living waters. This morning, you've been hurting, and those cisterns only provide, we're going to look at here in a few moments, nasty water. You know what that living water is? It's pure. Oh, man, it tastes wonderful. You know what that living water is? It's, it's, it's something that satisfies all the while that cistern over there that you've been dabbling in. You've been trying to search for your identity over here. It leaves you unfulfilled. But I've never opened the Word of God. I've never come into the house of God where I was sitting under Bible preaching or opening my Bible in my home where I said, you know what, I left unsatisfied. Because any time you want to meet with the Savior, He'll gladly feed you. Every single time. 
And you find yourself living off the living waters. This morning, you may have come to the house of God and you're not saved. You've never once accepted Christ as your personal Savior. And you say, you know what? I'm looking for that thing that you're talking about or that that person that you're talking about. I'm looking for this salvation you speak of. What is it? Notice with me one more time what the Bible says in verse number 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Notice with me three things this morning and we'll be done quickly. The cistern's flavor. Notice the flavor and there's a contrast here if you would. They've been described as tasting lousy, nasty, stale, bitter if you would. But as you go and you begin to look at the, the well, on the other hand, which is what's speaking of here, the fountain of living waters, that well begins to, to be described as something that tastes good. Uh, it's something that tastes pleasant, if you would. It's something that tastes refreshing, if you would. I remember sitting in a church camp. Many of you know my testimony, but as I was sitting in that church camp, I remember as I was sitting there under the preaching of God's Word, and the Lord, I've been, hey, I've been dabbling in those cisterns trying to find my identity, trying to fool everybody. I've been sipping off that lousy water. Oh, it was disgusting. It was bitter. Every single night I'd go to, to bed with, 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 with just hoping that I'd wake up the next day. God been pricking my heart all along the way. As I was sitting right where Brother Dustin's sitting at a church camp, Brother Kenny Baldwin was preaching. And as he was preaching, all of a sudden he just began to speak of these living waters. And he just began to deliver the Word of God. I can't tell you what he preached on. can't tell you how long he preached. But I remember sitting there, and I had been trying to go away from that fountain of living water. And I was tasting this lousy water over here. And as he got up there and he was preaching, he said, I'd rather go through the motions of being saved twice than the reality of going to hell once. It changed my life. It wasn't him that changed my life. It was just the beginning of Jesus changing my life. Amen. And a continuous road of what God had for me. You see, and oftentimes we're always dabbling on all of these many things that don't taste pleasant. But hey, we're too prideful to get right with God. Hey, we're too prideful to acknowledge that, hey, we don't want to get ourselves right and we don't want to be over here doing what we're supposed to be doing because, hey, what would so-and-so say? I don't care what so-and-so would say. What's he say? What does he have to say? You see, when you find yourself going back and looking at Scripture, you find that those things that you thought you were losing, you're not losing anything, but you're finding something greater. It was Oswald Chambers who said, Can God help himself to me? Or am I so taken up with my own conception of what I am and what I'm going to be? You see, we begin to think of all of these many things and we say, oh, this is what I am. I remember being that, brother. Uh, my stepdad touched on it just a few minutes ago in Sunday school. I remember being that 13, 14-year-old boy who said, you know what, I'm going to be the next NBA basketball player. I was, we were talking about it at lunch. The Lord didn't allow me to be 6'3 for a reason. I'd have been tempted to go that route. But I'll tell you what, I remember thinking those things, and I, I remember thinking, hey, I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. Only for God at a church camp to say, no, quit trying to write your own script and hand me a blank piece of paper and watch what I can do. Hey, I'm not a poet, but he's writing a poem. 
Hey, I'm not a storyteller, but he's writing a great story. It's nothing I could write up. It's what he's doing. You begin to find yourself saying, hey, can God help me? Can God help himself to me? Or am I so taken up with my own conception of what I am and what I'm going to be? You notice the cistern's flavor, but notice with me, number two, you notice the cistern's filth. We have someone we're going here in just a moment. You see, this water that's described here, this cistern water was described as filthy water. And it was typically, and it still is to this day, certain things that are very common like this. It's usually water that's falling off the the roof of a house or off of a building. And as it would fall off the the roof here, it would begin to fill up. And as it would build, build up and get larger and larger, bacteria would begin to form. Germs would begin to form. It would become nastier and nastier. And if those who were drinking from it, they would drink from it only to realize that they were slowly killing themselves. They'd get sick quickly. They'd be struggling to live. And they'd be going through a a difficult time just to continue on the next day. But you see, this well water is completely different. This well water is described as being pure and healthy and tasting great. You see, it's, it's, it's pictured as though it's the holiness of God and you're walking into the holiness of God and you're fellowshipping with the Lord and you're feeding on something that is pure, something that is healthy, something that's going to help you to live to the fullness of your life. You're not dabbling in that water that's unhealthy there. You're not taking sips of that water that, that you thought was going to just get you by. No, it, gradually it's going to destroy you. But on the other hand, that living water will just continue to bless you. In the heat of summer, I was telling a couple of folks this over the last couple of weeks. I hate summer. Any of you with me on that? Or am I alone on that? I hate the heat. I hate the heat. Sundays, I'm telling you, as I walk out the doors of the church, I'm, it's, I go from smiling to, ugh. I mean, it's immediate. The humidity, just as we were at camp just the other day. Now, the first, there was a couple of days at camp that were the prettiest I've ever experienced at a camp. I will say that. But... Monday, as we're getting there, we were pulling in. I said, look up, look up what the weather is like out west. We've got 67% humidity here. And she said, oh, it's like 3% humidity. I was like, oh, what I would do for some 3% humidity. Ah, my spirit would be much better. Oh, I'd be happier. I remember one time we were having to swap out car seats. And I'll tell you what, I, I live for the day where I never have to see a car seat again. Yeah, all the parents said amen there. Yes, you know. And uh, I'll tell you what, we were, we were rushing. We were trying, and car seats are a pain already. But they're a pain when they start getting all waddled and, and messed up, and you're trying to straighten it out. And So anyways, it was a, a Sunday, and it was one of those where it was, it was morning. It wasn't even afternoon. It was morning. We've had plenty of afternoon times with the car seats, but it was morning. And I had just gotten dressed for church. I walked outside and had to fix the car seat. And I walked out outside to fix that car seat. And I remember, it, it, I probably spent 10 minutes out there. I walked back inside. She'll tell you. She remembers. I walked back inside and I was ill. Drenched with sweat. Man, I'm going to have to take another shower. We haven't got to church yet. I, I, I'm, I'm dripping sweat. And so then all of a sudden, we're, we're fussing at each other because of it. Well, it had to be fixed. Well, no, it didn't. They'll be fine. It's only this minute. I mean, just, you know. Car seats and sound systems, they're of the devil. <laughs> Brother Chris knows back there. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, 
Ah, those many times whenever I found myself feeding off those cisterns and I was noticing those things that were destroying me. But then I found the living water. And can I share with you every single time that I go and I read God's Word and every single time that I sit under the Bible preaching, every single time that I listen to a godly podcast or I listen to that godly music or have a godly conversation and spend some time in fellowship, oh, the soul that it blesses every single time. Can I share with you, many times the altar is looked at as a time when people are coming to get right with God. But can I share with you, there have been many times where I just came to bless His holy name. Many times where I just came to praise Him for who He is and what He's done in my life. Because I'll tell you right now, I'm not who I am based upon what I wanted to be. None of you are either. It's because He made a difference in your life. Notice with me the last thing, we see the cistern's failure. Can I share with you, The last statement in verse number 13, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Not only did they not do a great job, but they were cracked. And when they're broken, they especially aren't great. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 25, and we see of these cisterns that they had a a picture of sin, if you would picture of filth, of something that they were longing for, and they, 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 they needed a cleansing, if you would. And then that living water pictured something that was pure, it was something that was clean, it was something that was wonderful to set your eyes upon. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You say, well, what's the difference if it's just a season? Because the Bible says also in James chapter number 4, verse number 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow... For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Matter of fact, none of us do. The psalmist understood this as in Psalm 16:11, the Bible says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. Notice this next statement. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You see, it's in Christ that you find all that you're looking for. Peter understood this personally in his own life because it's it's Peter who who found acceptance in Jesus Christ. Peter, you're going to deny me. No, Lord, I'll never do that. What happened? He denied him. And then one of my favorite passages of Scripture. He's risen. Go tell my disciples and Peter. What a picture of grace that is. You see, he found acceptance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ also gave him security after Peter's failure. He found himself, no doubt, insecure, and he was struggling, and he was battling, he was really depressed, and he was going through a hard time. But Jesus. But Jesus. He found that security he was longing for. Some of you walked into the doors of the church this morning, you're trying to find significance. You're only going to find it when you find Jesus. Only going to find it when you find Jesus. You see, it was Peter also, who Peter no doubt lost his view of himself as he had denied the Lord and he was been struggling. And then all of a sudden, you find First and Second Peter written. Peter, I'm not finished with you yet. Go strengthen thy brethren. Peter, ah, look, look, look. You've seen grace. Now go show some grace. Peter, you've experienced some things, and hey, you might have lost yourself for a period of time. You might have been struggling, and you were trying to find who you were, but hey, you only found that in me, and so now go tell others about me. Peter, go strengthen thy brethren. You see, the world is screaming at every single one of us to get our lives on track. Hey, just be stronger. Hey, just do this, and be wiser, and make sure you improve yourself now, and build your own 
identity. Hey, be yourself and find yourself doing what you want to do. Don't let them tell you what to do. Hey, hey, this God you speak of, He doesn't have anything for you. Hey, the world has something for you. You see, you find in the world in which we're living that corporate world says that work defines us. Academics world says that all the knowledge that you have defines you. The culture and the world in which we're living says the creation of new ideas is what defines you. Society of self-discovery says, hey, that's what's going to define you. Hey, you want to define yourself, you just do that. The Bible also tells us that Jesus says, I am the way. Hey, this world isn't going to provide what you need. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, notice these next words, my grace is sufficient for thee. You've come to the house of God and you're struggling. You're going through it. You're trying to identify who you are and you're saying, I can't find who I am or what I'm supposed to be. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This morning, a quote that has touched my life, and I pray it will help you. Whatever it cost you to be with God is nothing compared to what it cost Him to be with you. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. You say, I just don't have time. You have plenty of time. Get your priorities in straight. You say, I just can't read. I just can't read my Bible. I just... I just can't be faithful to the house of God. I just I don't have time to serve here, and I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to have a prayer life. As I've heard over the years, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy at all. This morning, you're trying to find who you are. You're trying to find your identity. You're not going to find it in those broken sisters. You're not going to find it in that job. You're not going to find it in that hobby. You're not going to find it in the type of parent you are. You're not going to find it in the car that you drive, the house you live in. You're not going to find it in the the score that you shoot or the books you read. You're only going to find it in Jesus. You want to be happy? Find Jesus. You want to find joy? Find Jesus. You want to find identity? Find Jesus. That pastor asked two questions. Question number one is my question to you this morning. As you've come to the house of God, maybe you're empty. You say, I'm empty. I need what you're talking about. Question number one, have you found Jesus? You say, I haven't. I've never accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Can I share with you, if you're a father, the greatest gift you could ever give your children and your wife is to get Jesus. If you're a child and you say, I've never accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, the greatest gift you could give to your father on Father's Day is to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. The greatest gift you could give yourself is to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You say, I have found Jesus. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you looked to him? When was the last time you rested in them? Once again, you're not going to find yourself in all those many things. You're looking for your identity. You're only going to find it in Jesus Christ. Look to Him. I love the, 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 the song that we sing. Look and live, my brother live. Look to Jesus now and live. What a precious, precious song. I pray this morning if you're trying to find all those many things, the answers and the questions to be answered and all the identity questions, and you're saying, I need to do this and I have to do this. No, you don't. Rest in Him this morning. If you haven't accepted Him as your personal Savior, come, accept Him as your personal Savior. Lord, we do thank You. Lord, we rejoice in our salvation.
Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, I pray that they'd get that settled. For the one who's been dabbling in the cisterns, trying to find themselves, only to realize that that job doesn't provide their identity, that car doesn't provide their identity, that new influencer doesn't provide their identity. Lord, we all come to realize that without you we're nothing. Lord, I pray this morning that we'd find ourselves resting in you. Lord, stir us and move us. Help us and guide us. I pray that you get all the glory for our, from our lives. Not just a little bit. I pray that every single one of us in this auditorium, Lord, we'd spend our lives, Lord, living for you. At the end of our life, there's going to be a tale that is told. I pray that tale would end with Jesus being the center of our lives. Well, we might not have started right, but Lord, we can now start a new path, become a new creation, a new creature, put off the old man and put on the new man. Help us, Lord, to rest in you this morning. We'll thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray.